But today we're finishing off Ecclesiastes, uh, so we're going to look at the, the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, and I'm actually going to read just a little bit before that, um, at the end of chapter 11, because as you probably know, when the Bible was written, they didn't have these chapter markings, they're just put in there for our benefit so that we can find their place in the Bible. So I'm, I'm looking at page 679 in a church Bible, if you've got one of these greeny, bluey type ones. Um, And I'm going to start at verse uh, 9 of chapter 11, Um, which says, You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you the joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, For youth and vigour are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the streets are closed and the sounds of grinding fades, and when people rise up at the sound of the birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, where the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, then the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings, like firm, firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and of much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Here we have uh, the end to this uh, very melancholic book. Um, but I want us to consider this. I, I wonder, do you, uh, have you ever had uh, an older, wiser father, mother figure, mentor figure, a hero or a heroine in your life who you've looked up to and you've, and you've just longed to listen to them, be with them and spend time with them. Has, has anyone experienced that where you've, you've had that kind of thing? I've, I've been very blessed. Yeah, thank you, Keith. Yeah, I've been very... I mean, I have musical mentors who they're just teachers where I've just been... A, like, I've been itching to have my lesson, you know, and wanting to get into the room and just even just being in the same room as that teacher you think that I don't need you don't need to say anything you know you just just being there with them is almost enough you know um, I, sometimes people ask me you know what did you learn from my old teacher Oren and I would say 
Do you know what? I don't know whether I can remember anything he said so much, but I just know that he would just take a breath in to play and I'd think, how's he done that? You know, and I'd be looking and I'd be watching and then he'd make a sound and I'm thinking, how does he do that? <laughs> you know, and there's just something about that kind of person. Um, and particularly, that's music, but particularly I've been very blessed with people that... Um, spiritually who are like father figures to me uh, or or really they're brothers in a sense that they're the same age as me but people that you just think I, I'm listening I'm hanging on your every word or I'm, I'm watching how you're doing that and I'm thinking how can you do that or how do you go about that um, they're exciting people to be around they're challenging people to be around they're, they're people that live a life of experience not just theory you know, there's many people that know stuff. You know, there's many people that are, going back to music, there's a lot of musicians who know a lot of music. But actually it's the ones who have played the music and lived in the music and performed the music. Those are the ones that kind of speak to me. And it's the same with, with matters of, of life and faith, you know. It's not people that just know, know their Bible, but have lived in life and lived their faith. There's people that don't just talk about how things should be. You know, there are people that say, oh, it should be like this. But there are also people who know how it really is. Yeah? Um, they, they don't just talk about idealistic ideas, but they know what life is really like. They don't just have unattainable standards, but they realise that actually they've not hit the mark many ways in their own life and so they know that actually we all make mistakes we all don't get it right they know that they've learned from their mistakes they know that actually God works through our mistakes they have high values and they have high morals but at the same time they realise that we all are slightly broken and so there's love and there's grace and there's compassion in the way they speak Those are the kind of people that have shaped my life and, and have spoken into my life. Those are the kind of people that are real teachers, real mentors. And they, they're the kind of people that, when I get together with Peter, you know, I speak a lot about my mentor Peter at the Guildford Baptist Church. You know what we end up doing? He's, he's, I would like to go to him. This is my way of doing things. And I, and I go and I say, here's my problem and I need him to give me an answer. This is how I used to go. You know, it's like, shall I go left or right? And I'm waiting for Peter just to tell me, go right, and everything will be fine. Peter never tells me. <laughs> he never gives me an answer. <coughs> but he always just gets me talking. And he gets me thinking. And he gets me meditating, reflecting, because that's what he's done in his life. And then I end up thinking, oh, I should go left. And he'll go, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> and he just affirms the conclusion I come to myself. And, and I like that. You know, it's just helpful. For some, but he's a person who's reflected and he, he's helped me to meditate and reflect on life and how it works and, and what we should learn from God and how, how we go about that. And as I read this last um, few verses and chapter of, of Ecclesiastes, it seems to me to be written by a wise old teacher. It's, we're coming to the end and you're, you're, it's almost like I'm sitting there. I mean, uh, they're rich deep dense words high um, and this is a man who has connection and relationship with God this is a man who has lived life 
and he's speaking truth. Sometimes truth we don't want to hear, sometimes things we don't want to engage with, but he's giving us this, and it's almost like an old mentor speaking to us. And in truth, actually, that's the way script, all of Scripture is, because if you think about it, you know, Scripture is God-breathed, Spirit-inspired, it's the Word of God, it's the wise words of God, it's the commands of God, it's the knowledge of God. It even says here it's given by one shepherd. It's one, if you see that in, in verse um, 11, in some of the Bibles, the, the, the word shepherd is catalyzed because there's a hint there that this could actually be like Jesus speaking to us himself. Jesus being, he called himself the good shepherd. And they're words that come from from God, but there's words that come from a life lived. You know, God has been eternally alive from forever. These aren't just, God doesn't just give us theories. I think we live in a scientific world and, we, and the scientists tell us that E equals MC squared and everything sort of works by a formula. And yeah, a lot of the world, the universe does work according to the formulas we've discovered. But actually, God isn't just a formulaic God. He's a God who is eternally alive. And when he speaks, he speaks from his eternal experience, doesn't he? His eternal life experience. There's no beginning or end to that. He has endless wisdom, endless experience, endless knowledge. So God's words are not like an abstract theory, but they're, 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 they're something that has to do with the real world. The world is created. They're not pie-in-the-sky ideologies. They're not unattainable. They're spoken by a God who knows. They're spoken by a God who lives, a personal God who feels and sees, a God who is more in this real world than we, most people realise. God's words have high values, high morals and high standards, but they also come with grace and love and compassion and empathy, knowing that we are fallen people and that, that we don't always make, in fact, we never make the, the, the standard. And as it says here, there are wise words. They're like goads. You know what a goad is? I had to look this up. It's one of those things with sharp bits in it that you use on a, an animal to, to get them to go in the right direction. And so it's saying here that God speaks to us and his words are like goads to, to get us and to, to encourage us into the right direction. So these words are like an old mentor. One where we yearn to be with that person. One who, even when they've spoken, they haven't said enough to us because we just drink it in. That's how... These words are in Ecclesiastes, and in fact, I believe that's how the whole of Scripture comes to us. So this final part of Ecclesiastes is actually written specifically to, to young people, those just starting in life. So Josh and Dan, listen up to this. But um, I want to say to all of us, whilst this has things to say to young people specifically, uh, uh, let's make us feel all us feel good about ourselves let it speak to all of us because in the light of eternity if we're talking of God as the ancient of days we're all young <laughs> okay we're all youths aren't we you know I'm looking around there are people here that I wouldn't have to be my mum and dad but we're all young in God's sight in the sense that he is the ancient of days the endless ageless wisdom and we're all youths in that sense aren't we uh, I, I have this I was just thinking about this this week when I'm, I'm doing, as you know, I, I do sometimes uh, a few gigs over the summer and I'm going to Norway again. And I realised that when I go to Norway and I sit down with this band who are just full of really good musicians, I feel like a beginner again in many ways, you know, because the drummer next to me is just so <coughs> good. 
that I'm always we share we off, we always share a room he and I we're good friends and I'm always there learning because he's always got something else to teach me and I kind of feel like I'm always like a kid just learning um, although I know I'm very accomplished and you would think well how is he doing that well I, I know that but at the same time this is how I feel inside and I think that's how we feel before God isn't it it's like we are always learning in fact the older we get in our faith the more we realise we don't know right and so we're all youths. Good news. There is some good news for all of us. We're all youths this morning, but particularly the youths youths. Anyway. Um, so it says here in verse 9 of chapter 11, it's verse 9, it says, You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Now, I tell you what, I was surprised when I read this. I was surprised because telling young people to follow the ways of their heart, I think, is extremely dangerous. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, come on. That's just crazy. You know, I don't know if you've come across young people, but the ways of their heart, there are their hearts all over. Sorry, guys, but it is. I was, I was young once. Uh, you know, and it's not necessarily the first bit of advice I would give, um, whether it's, Teenagers or even young children, uh, you know, just, just, you know, whatever feels right, go for it. And there's, there's two extremes. Of a, you, um, if we take the two extremes of how you might approach people, you might have the conservative approach, the, the religious types, often seen as the Bible-believing um, types, that would say that youngsters need to follow the rules, they need to behave, they need to conform, they need to try harder because it's never good enough. Um, they need to... Um, Toe the line, okay? Now that may well be true. But there's not, all, not usually not a lot of grace in that, in that approach, okay? The other extreme, you might have the more liberal kind of way of free spirit, kind of spiritless age really, way of thinking and, and say, well, just do whatever. There's no boundaries. Do whatever you like. Make your own mind up. Define your own ideas. Define your own self. Define your own morals. Anything goes. Um, and it's a freedom, though, that ends to, leads to endless problems, if I'm honest. And so the traditional Christian view uh, the, might think that the Bible pushes towards this, this conservative approach, which basically ends up really having no fun, don't enjoy yourself, just follow God, and do as you're told, don't ask any questions. And some of us may well have been brought up like that. And then, but the people of this generation, more liberal Christians, might approach things like, well, just go with your heart, do what feels right, don't worry about the traditions, God's rules are flexible. And it seems like these two ideas are polar opposites, doesn't it? It's just like, how can these two things marry together? But there's the wise old teacher in Ecclesiastes, speaking a little bit like Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Things that are true, but also he is, he has, he's full of grace. And he says, follow your heart to the young ones. Follow your heart and fear God. Ooh, okay. Follow what your eyes see. What appeals to your eyes. And also remember your creator. Enjoy life and also remember God that will bring everything into judgment he'll judge your sins as well as your acts of righteousness he'll judge your miserable fun killing attitude as well as your uh, the things that you enjoy in life 
Basically, to the young, he's saying, connect with who you are and who God has made you to be and live in that. And connect with that as early an age as possible. It's almost like, you know the story of the prodigal son? You know that story? The story where there's a man who has two sons and the younger son says, basically, I want my inheritance now. The father gives, for some reason, gives him this inheritance. He runs off and lives a life of reckless, recklessness and eventually loses everything and then realises he's come to rock bottom. So he comes to his senses and he turns around and he comes back to his father. And his father receives him, forgives him, if you like. But actually the older brother then gets a bit cheesed off because he's thinking, hang on a second, I've done nothing wrong I've, and I've never had any of these things. What, and I'm just... It's, and, and the father goes to him and says, actually, you've had all that I have, have has been yours all along. And, and it's like Ecclesiastes is saying, get this story out of your system quickly when you're young. <laughs> you know, get, this, get it out of your system. If you're going to rebel, rebel and come back to God quickly. If you're going to live with God, then live well with God. Don't live miserably with him. And it's almost like Ecclesiastes is echoing this, this um, prodigal story by saying that rebelling away from God is not good. But also living miserably with God is equally not good. <laughs> and I think sometimes we don't realise that as Christians because we, we like kind of wag our finger at the world and sort of say, look at all those people enjoying themselves out there outside church. You know, they're not living with God. They're enjoying themselves, but they're not living with God. And then we're in church and we're with God. We're not enjoying ourselves, but we're all right because we're with God. And we end up being like the older brother in that story. And, and Ecclesiastes is saying, no, no, no. Actually, you can enjoy life. In fact, you were supposed to enjoy life and live with God. In fact, God would sort of see that's almost impossible not to do, but we seem to be, find it difficult to do one or the other, or, or both rather at the same time. But he's encouraging us, live well, enjoy life, and live with God. So to the young and to the young at heart, so that's all of us, walk in the ways of your heart, he says, and the sight of your eyes. Enjoy life, follow your passions, follow the, 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 the things that God has put inside you. Because actually, by the way, he, he put those things there in the first place. But hold that intention with God will bring these things into judgment. So don't just go off and just like you know, in some kind of free-for-all, just go for it, in, in kind of a wild way. But, but live wildly with God, knowing that he will judge the things that we do and the things that we live in. So it's a call to live life while you can. Because God will bring these things into judgment and live righteously, but live joyfully. See, sometimes the call to young believers is not to have any fun, not to enjoy life, not to go out, not to do daring things. There's a kind of strange thing within some church upbringing to sort of say that to live a godly life is to live a rather dull and boring and uncool and austere kind of restrained life. But actually nothing could be further from the truth. The, the, in fact, if you, the youngsters I know that have gone on from this church, that have left this church and gone on, to do things, if you think about uh, some of the, the recent years, that they've gone off and have done some wacky things. 
Because living a life with God is, is pretty exciting. In fact, it's very exciting. It's pretty risky. It's pretty wild. It's on the edge. Enjoy your youth. Realise that, that actually life with God is, is, is exciting. It's on the edge. But also realise that life, just life in itself, I mean, he, he keeps coming back to this using this phrase, it's meaningless. Oh, I thought we were getting somewhere with this. And then he, he brings that in, doesn't he? He says, it's meaningless. But I think what he's getting at here, the teacher's saying, look, if you just live life on its own, yes, that is meaningless. It goes nowhere. You might have a bit of fun, but you end up nowhere. But if you life, live life well with God, and we'll come on to this in a minute, there's, there's something of eternity in that. There's eternal life in that. Internal life starts now. So to the young ones, he's saying, this time of life is a launch pad to eternal life. And so it says at the beginning of chapter 12, remember your creator in your youth. And he sort of then goes on to say, before life gets a little bit too hard, actually. And it's, isn't this sort of wisdom that we would see built, born out? Don't we see the majority of people, I don't know what the statistics are, but would you not say that so many people come to faith in their youth? I mean, not everybody. You know, I'm looking around the room, I know that's not true. But I know so many people who've come to faith in the young years of their lives. Because towards the end of their lives, there's more bitterness, isn't there, in people. There's more set in their ways, ways. There's more, and it's very difficult, not very difficult, but it's more difficult, I think, for people who are older to come to faith because they've, they've got it all up. There's, there's a lot of life lived. There's a lot of baggage Whereas younger ones, anything's possible. So the, the teacher's encouraging, remember your creator and your youth, basically saying before life gets so hard that you become so embittered towards God that you don't want to follow him even if you believe in him. <laughs> yeah? And in, in chapter 12, I don't know if you've ever read this before, but it's a beautiful poetic description of the slow, beautiful in the sense that it's beautifully written. Quite depressing if you start to think too hard about it, but it's the slow end of life. It sounds quite dark and an autumnal. There's a, there's a term in music we call a rallentando. Do you know what a rallentando is? It's a slowing down and fading away at the end of a piece of music. So it's just a... You're chugging along and speed, and if you see rallentando written in the music, you start to slow down and fade out. And that's kind of how this is written. It just seems like life is slowing down and fading out. And so he's saying, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the darkness sets in. Remember your creator before man goes to his eternal home, it says in verse 5. In verse 6 it says, remember your creator before the, the silver cord snaps, the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher is shattered at the spring, the, wheel is, well, the well is broken. That's basically before life ends. In verse 7 it says, before the dust returns to the earth, as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Remember your Creator, he's saying, before it's too late. Because in this life, if we do not remember our Creator, if we're not connected to God, if we do not have an eternal hope, everything is meaningless. And this life leads to nothing, it's temporary and transient. Other parts of the Bible says we're all like grass. Here one minute, and gone another. In eternal terms, that is, even if we live to a hundred, we are like grass. We're here and then we're gone. 
So Ecclesiastes, the teacher says, enjoy this life, but realise that it leads to nowhere. But if you want something more, then remember your creator. Remember the one who made you. Know that one day, he says, that mourners will go about in the street on this earth and they'll be mourning your death and you will go to your eternal home with God. Know that as your body returns to dust and returns to the earth, your spirit will go to God who gave it. So remember your creator before you get too old. Otherwise, everything else here is meaningless. And I want to just cut in on this because I think that actually in the Old Testament, this is a strange um, evangelistic call. I don't think it's actually this clearly spelled out in many other places in the Old Testament. But in, in the New Testament, it goes, we, we know more. And, and there is this teaching in the scriptures that we have an assurance of faith. It says here to remember our creator. But what that is saying, we know that Jesus is our creator. He is God who made us. And it's saying, call on your creator. Call on the name of Jesus. Come and bring and put your faith on him because he and he only is the one who brings eternal life. Eternal home with God comes through faith in Jesus who has overcome death. So our lives are not a meaningless momentary here for a moment and gone forever thing if we hold on to our creator, if we put our trust and have our faith in Jesus. Eternal life, eternal home with him comes through faith in him so put your hope put your trust in Jesus today that's the call it's it's there Jesus is there in these words saying remember your creator before it's too late call on him before it's too late and so he concludes this he says the words of the wise are like goads or we mentioned that these goads encourage us they're given by one shepherd Read that in verse 11, that these words are given by one shepherd. That shepherd, I think this is just pointing towards Jesus. I love this bit. It's a strange thing here. He says um, in verse 12, many books are written. There's no end of books. Ever met a Christian who said, oh, I, and they listen to your problem. <laughs> said, oh, I've got a book. You should read this book. Oh, we've all done it, haven't we? It's just an e- because if you go into a Christian bookshop, that's, this is just a Christian bookshop. There are books and books and books and books. And I'm not saying don't read books. Books are good. Uh, and then you go into a, just any old bookshop and there's just so many books. Yeah, any subject, any topic, you can read books. And, and books have their place. But he's saying, look, study. If, you just, if that's all you do, it's wearisome. And there's good news for those of us who don't read books. I like books, but I don't read very fast, you know. But actually, there's good news for it, whether you read books or not. Eternal life in God is not just for the clever. Not just for the educated. Not just for the academics. Not for the Bible scholars and the, the Bible college graduates. But actually, it's for all of us. Just remember your creator. Remember Jesus. Put your trust in him. I think sometimes uh, too many people think that actually to do what I do, you need to have qualifications education I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't you know but it is possible that um, you know Jesus picked some fishermen they weren't particularly educated to, to be the leaders of his church I don't suppose they had read many books I don't suppose they even wrote books on fishing they, what did they do they probably just sat with a mentor and went out fishing and learned how to do it 
What do we do? We just sit with Jesus. Follow, learn from him. Follow the, follow the teacher. Follow his ways. So the simple conclusion is, God will bring everything into judgment. Good and evil. So the simple conclusion, fear God and can keep his commandments. Meaning, fear God is it's a funny Old Testament type word, but put it this way, be in awe of the creator. The one who made you and the one who will keep you eternally. The one who, if you put your trust in him, will hold you forever. The wise teacher, Jesus. Fear God and keep his commandments. Follow his ways. Simple. Simple way of life. But an exhilarating, exciting, dangerous, edgy way to live. Life plugged into the eternal source of energy and life, which is Jesus. I think sometimes, too often, we just think faith is just a, a bit dull. And for, for those who are young in faith, we should just encourage that actually what you're doing is you're putting your fingers in a socket where the power is, is the eternal source of life, which is Jesus. And it will bring life and energy to you like no other. And it may even be a little bit shocking, literally. But it is the way of life. Life here without Jesus, Jesus, life without connection with God is meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Even the the greatest and highest things you can find here on earth will ultimately be meaningless and lead to nowhere. But life with God is eternal. Life with God is completely meaningful and is powerful and exciting and unending. So remember your Creator in the days of your youth and fear Him, be in awe of Him and keep His commandments. That's the simple end conclusion of this message. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that this message comes to all of us while we're still youths in the sense that we're still here and we're still going and compare it to you and your eternal wisdom and knowledge. We are all just children, all just young ones, finding our way, learning our way. And so we take this message in and we want to learn what it is to, to remember you and to trust in you and to hold on to you for now and forever. We don't want to live meaningless lives. We don't want to live lives that are just here and then gone and then that's it, nothing. But we want to know that in and through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, that there is hope of life eternal. There is hope that actually nothing we do is wasted or in vain because in you, you hold all things and are in all things and are through all things. And I pray if there's any doubt in any of us here of am I in that or am I out of that? Is my life meaningful or is it meaningless? I pray for, for those here who are wondering about that that you would bring faith to rise up in them to know to hold on to you, Jesus, who has conquered death and brings eternal life to us. I pray, teach us how to follow your ways 
and also follow our heart to be the people you've created us to be and to live in righteousness and in justice in this world. I pray particularly for the young ones, for Josh and Dan, for Sky and Ada, for Isabel, for Gabriella, for Abby, for Jesse, for James, for Chloe. Pour your spirit on them that they would have their, their lives plugged into the eternal creator source of life. That there will be no meaninglessness in their lives, but they would live in the fullness of life in you. Lord, so just continue to teach us your ways. Continue to help us live this eternal life here and now, in and through Jesus, who is in all and through all and for all. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.